Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Our guest today is Angel Collinson, who recently announced her retirement from skiing. So I caught up with Angel to talk about why she felt that now was the time to make this announcement, the factors that led to her decision, how she thinks about and processes change, what she's up to now, and what might be next for her. Now, before we get started, I just want to remind you that our second annual Blister Summit will be kicking off on February 20th, and we'd love to have you there. You can find all the up-to-date details about the summit in the show notes of this episode or on the navigation bar of our website where it says Blister Summit. And you can also check out our Getting Here guide, which is our guide to the Gunnison Valley, which includes very helpful travel information and the latest flight information and kind of everything you need to know to make your way up to Gunnison and Crested Butte. So check those things out and then come see us. And now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Angel Collinson. Here we go. Well, Angel, how are you today and where are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, I am in the Canary Islands right now. Um, Just, yeah, not too far away from Africa, actually. Yeah, not too far away from the Sahara Desert. It's kind of wild. That's very wild. (laughs) You are literally on a boat right now. Yep, I'm sitting at the navigation station where you get your charts out and you plot your course. I'm at the nav station. Yeah. Wow. If that isn't sort of metaphorically on point right now, (laughs) you sitting sitting at a desk where where one plots your course. (laughs) Yeah. How appropriate. Yeah. You know, I I do have to say, I was thinking about the fact, I I knew you were going to be on a boat when we had this conversation. And I started thinking about sort of the most peculiar places where we've recorded sort of podcast conversations or something. And and the only, nothing too, too strange yet. I, I did think about the fact that like Chris Davenport walked over from Aspen to Crested Butte. Where And then we just like, he walked over and then we promptly <laughs> sat down and recorded a conversation. That's amazing. Then Cody Townsend, this happens somewhat regularly. He'll be parked in some random parking lot somewhere and we'll record yep. when, you know, he's on the road out yep. of his van. But I, th- I think you win. I think you win for being on a boat. I think that kind of takes the cake right now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Hopefully it ends up being a good experience. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So far, so good. Yeah. Well, hey, you probably recall just a few days ago, you released a bit of an announcement. Well, I guess I would just love to hear you talk a little bit about what led you to decide to make this announcement now. Well, that is a really great question because, you know, it's been something I've been sitting with for a while. And, you know, as you and Cody kind of touched or as Cody touched on in your guys conversation, it's been something that I've been thinking about for, yeah, for a while, for a few years. And um, 
as he mentioned really astutely, you know, my life has been like totally about skiing since I could walk, you know, and that's just totally been my life. I've been, and I just love so many elements about life. I've just been craving more for a while. A, like the whole timing of like, when do I make this transition? And what are the constituents that make it the right time and the right thing to transition next to? You know, those were all really big questions. But as far as making the announcement, um, it's been actually really hard. I think lots of people that go through these transitions, um, it's hard to know when to see certain steps of the process through Like in my case, you know, I had contracts with most of my sponsors that were going, you know, some of them were going through the end of 2022. And when I signed them, I wasn't planning on leaving yet. Um, and so first when I, this winter, I realized like, okay, I'm done. And now how do I navigate this? You know, and do I try and see it out for the rest of 2022? And pretty soon I realized like, I, I can't do that. My heart's not in it. I'm ready to be done. I have to be brave and figure out how to navigate it. Um, and so the first step was like, okay, I got to figure out this stuff with my sponsors and my contracts and how do I do that respectably? And like, will they terminate payments early? Like, you know, if I tell them in April, will they cease payments for the rest of the year? And like, I could kind of afford that, but that would suck. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of navigating like, okay, how do I end my contracts early? Um, and what are my sponsors going to think about this? And, you know, obviously they were the people that I had to tell first, um, and I didn't really want to tell too many people before them because I didn't really want like them to hear it from anybody else. And so, yeah, it's been, I feel like I've been sitting on this for like a while like, this year. It's been weighing pretty heavy on me. So I told them all in like July and then I was like, okay, um, I think North Face and TGR are going to do like a, they're going to compile and edit sort of retirement little piece for me, which um, hope we'll see if that happens. That would be awesome. And I'll be totally honored. But then I realized that was going to take too long. And, um, and I, I just needed to get it off my chest. It's been like this burning thing. Cause I feel like anytime I talk about my experience in life um, on social media, I'm holding back this huge piece. And I feel like I couldn't speak authentically to what I was going through. So um, yeah, I just decided that I wanted to do it on social media soon. And then I was like, well, how the frick do I do it? Like, I, <laughs> what do I even say? I had no idea. Um, and so I just decided to resort. Well, it was my boyfriend's idea, actually. And my partner Pete and he was like you should just make a creative writing piece because you love that and I was like that's a great idea so I just buckled down at a coffee shop and cried and wrote and came up with that piece in like a couple hours and then yeah posted it the next day well first of all it was beautifully done and we already I think linked to it in the conversation we put up today that we dropped that Cody and I where we were talking a bit about this and and I meant what I said in my conversation with Cody I was like you know I haven't reached out to Angel I didn't want to do that immediately and but as I said in that conversation like I you know I'd like to reach out and I will and if you were like I've said what I've had to say I would have said all the best to you, you know, but um, I'm really happy that you were open to kind of having this conversation. I think Cody is too. And he was like, <laughs> I really hope Angel says yes. I can't wait to listen to that conversation with her. But one of the things that I thought was so interesting from your announcement is, well, frankly, you can see the moment as you are sort of announcing this retirement where you, you buckle, you buckle. And lest anybody think 
that this was something that you had sort of resigned yourself forever ago and it was kind of emotionally old news. That's not how this came off. And I get the sense from hearing you talking that that that's just not accurate, that you check, sort of checked out on this a long time ago. And so you might as well fill the rest of the world in, you know, like that's just not how it came across. It has been a, uh, an emotional process, right? Even if you're done in your heart and you're done in your mind and your spirit is over it and it's calling for something more. It's sort of like when you're really over living in a certain place or something and you're like, I have to, I have to close this chapter. I have to leave, you know, and you get all your stuff in the car and maybe as soon as you, you know, sh- hand the keys into your landlord or whatever, there's like that emotional moment, you know, of like, okay, this is it. This is really it. And that this chapter is closing now. And skiing has meant so much to me, you know, and it always will. It's given me literally like everything. And so I, you know, I can, while there's, yeah, we're just so multifaceted and our emotions are not necessarily straightforward. So while like 95% of me is like, oh my God, I'm so ready to be done with this and be over it. Then there's also the 5% that runs so deep. And, and I also believe that that's a really important place to be attuned to because I think when we gloss over things or when we rush through things and we don't really take the time to sit with like, okay, how does this feel? Is there any grief left? Is there anything? Then sometimes we miss out on the, on the juicy, deeper levels of life, you know? Just curious, since you put this out just a couple days ago, how have you been feeling kind of in the wake of that announcement? <laughs> Another great question. So I put it out at night, right? Because I'm ahead and I was like, I have to post this at night. And then I turned my phone off. I went to bed and I was so scared that I didn't check social media the next day. I was like, I'm going to lose like, not that I really care about my followers, but I was like, I'm going to lose like 20,000 followers and I'm just going to fall off the face of the planet. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm going to become irrelevant and, um, not that I, not that that really matters for making a move to this next chapter, right? But like the human in me is like, I don't want to be irrelevant. I don't want to fall off the face of the planet. I don't want people to think I'm lame all of a sudden or whatever, you know, like all of those fears. So I just decided to give myself some um, time and some space from my phone for a day. And then it was just, uh, it was, I was really sad that next day. I was just like, all right, Pete, we really did it. I'm committed. (laughs) And it was a pretty teary day. It was like very nostalgic. I just was feeling so emotional and so grateful for everything that, and I I was started getting texts from old ski coaches and just people I've been on trips with. And it was so beautiful that each time I'd hear from somebody, like it would just bring a tear to my eye and I would think about all of um, the memories, right? With these people and from all of these chapters that skiing has provided me with. And then, yeah, when I finally logged back on social media, I was like, it was just overwhelmingly supportive and positive. And I actually gained followers and I was just really blown away. And it was not at all what I expected. And now, you know, three days after 40, I don't even remember when it was. I feel so, (laughs) I feel so relieved. Like I feel so much lighter, um, which, you know, is to be expected. And you like say that, like, okay, once I do these things, I'm going to feel better. But, you know, sometimes it takes a while for things to click in or to, sometimes it takes a while to feel different. And this is the first time where I really feel different and it feels really good. <laughs> really good. Yeah. 
That is all fantastic. I love the part where you got, you kind of got to have this positive nostalgia, right? This kind of walk down memory lane, but combined with this feeling of lightness, which um, probably is a really good signal. If you were like, honestly, I find myself in the wake of the announcement feeling like, what did I (laughs) just do? Yeah, that's like worst nightmare. Yeah, but I knew there was no way that that was going to happen. This is, yeah, I knew that that was not going to be the case. I just wasn't sure how long before I was going to start feeling good, you know, or feeling light or feeling relieved. You know, it's funny. I've probably mentioned this quite a bit now on a number of different conversations I've had on some of our different podcasts. But, you know, one of the things we share in common, we were both students of philosophy yeah it's something i've here, you know, here. never never forgotten here here yeah and while i certainly don't feel at all like i have sort of put out my own primary principle or s- some unique philosophy of life into the world a lot of smart people have gone before us to to do that but the thing that i come down to or think about in my own life and as i am fortunate to get to talk to a lot of interesting people and catching them at various stages of their life. I am such a massive advocate of thinking about like seasons of life or chapters of life. And that, if there was the closest thing for me that would represent a bit of a philosophy of life, it's that. And it's like when we are in a particular chapter or season of life, be all in. Be all in. Give it give it everything. But when we start to get that feeling that maybe maybe we're ready for the next chapter, maybe we're ready for a pivot, maybe we're ready for a new season, respect that. You know, and while it can be while it can be if scary, it's I mean, that's actually life. Like to stay in an old chapter out of fear or something starts to feel a little bit like death. Maybe I'd be curious to just get your thoughts on that or if you have a bit of a different approach or a better way to articulate some of these periods of change, right? When to bounce, when to go into the new thing and leave something that's been kind of great behind. How, how do you think about this? I love that thought. Yeah, I actually, I just heard some woman speaking the other day and it, she said something to the effect of, if you're not moving towards growth and if you're not growing, you're moving towards death and you're dying. And it kind of makes me think of, you know, that when you're in these chapters and uh, if they're closing out and you're not moving towards the next growth phase, then you're moving into almost, yeah, a death phase. Um, But in a resistance way, right? Because when these chapters, I totally wholeheartedly agree with you, you know, and it's like uh, when these chapters close come to a close or when you realize they need to come to a close this is really fucking hard sorry for my french but it really is <laughs> and uh especially when not especially when they're hard for all of us period chapters and closing chapters are just hard um and some people are really good at them <laughs> some people are much better at others and some people go through many right people that move all the time I had this realization when I was, when I moved to Alaska, 
And I was reflecting on my life at that point, and I was like, it didn't feel like there had been many chapters in my life. Skiing had been a constant. There had been when I ski raced, and then when I went to school, and then when I started big mountain skiing, but it was all kind of continuous. It all sort of felt like the same chapter because I was living in Utah, and moving to Alaska felt like a beginning of a new, the newest chapter that I had felt like in a long time. And that was really what I felt because when you hear people talk and like, yeah, there was this period when I lived in New York for two years and, you know, blah, blah. And shifting location is a huge deal. And usually it means leaving your job and your community or family, you know? Um, so all that to be said, some people do it a lot. Some people are really, sorry, once we're getting hit by a wake. <laughs> so everything's rolling around. I don't know if you've seen um, yeah, yeah. Mary Poppins, but there's like <laughs> the old school of Mary Poppins. There's this scene when these cannons go off next door and they're like, brace for the cannons. And everyone in the house has to like run and brace like flower vases <laughs> and pianos. Everything's like sliding around. And it's like that on the boat. Sometimes Holy. when big wakes come through, all of a sudden, like everything starts crashing. Um, so anyways, sorry about that. Back to chapters. The wake has gone by. <laughs> Nothing broke. But yeah, some people are pretty great at transitions and I would not say I'm one of them. <laughs> um, and as far as like what you said about living, you know, wholeheartedly and being totally in it and then recognizing when it's done, um, I can just really speak to the the difficulty of that, you know, like I sort of was ready to be done. I was kind of burnt out on skiing a couple, like a few years ago. Um, I think it was the year that I first blew my knee out, but it was, it, it was after that or before. And when I blew my knee out, I wouldn't say, um, that it was, it wasn't due to like a user malfunction or a miscalculation, like McNutt radioed. He's like, I should have said something about that shrunt. It was like kind of weird. And the way that my ski hooked up, like I wouldn't say at all that it was user error. Um, and that almost reinstated my want to get back for a little bit. And I also, there's many other factors that made me be like, actually, I'm kind of falling in love again with the sport and a little bit a year away from it helped. Um, but to recognize when you're done with something and then to move into the next thing, I think is, it's just not cut and dry. Um, and to navigate that gracefully uh, in a way where you don't burn bridges and you don't give up everything that, you, you know, you're standing on just to get away and to get into the next thing. Like, it's hard, especially if you're like, I don't even know what I want to do next. I just know it's time for this chapter to be over. And that's where I was at for a long time. And then once I, um, I met Pete and all of a sudden we decided very quickly, like, let's buy a sailboat and let's do the whole thing. And it happened so fast that it was just like, I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be the next thing. And I don't know where this is going to go, but this is enough for me to feel good about moving in this direction for the time being. I was like, you know, ready to be done with skiing. I... Um, didn't know where I was going next. Um, I was gonna, we worked on the boat all summer and, um, I last fall, I was having a really hard time trying to figure out how to walk away from everything or what it was going to look like. There was just a lot of question marks. And I was like, if I'm going to be completely reinventing myself, 
what are the things that interest me? Like, where do I even start to throw darts at a dart? What, what wall is the dartboard even on? You know, what are the subjects that interest me? And one of them is, you know, wellness and health and healing. And Ayurveda has been a big part of my life, which, you know, is a um, sort of lifestyle wisdom science that comes out of India from the Vedic texts. And it's amazing. It's really helped me with my own um, wellness and body stuff. And so I decided to study and, you know, get certified to be an Ayurvedic health coach. And so I started, I launched, I worked really hard. Um, I did a business launch in January this winter and started working with people that way. And it has been, so I'm currently doing it right now. And it has been so, so cool. And also eye opening of being like, wow, there's other avenues of making money for me. There's other ways to do things. And I loved it so much. Um, and so I'll finish working with my clients, um, in January this year, and I'm deciding to not continue on so that I can just go, on the boat and not need to make money. But it was just like an eye-opening experience of being like, okay, I have no idea where to go. Okay. What interests me and to try it out and, um, to be willing to maybe not like it or to just try something new, right. To be willing to like take some next step in another direction instead of standing in gridlock and to be like, wow, I love this. And so I won't be surprised if my future involves, um, some sort of working with people in the wellness space and realizing, you know, my assets and the ways to get the right certifications or whatever the process is. Um, so yeah, I won't be like continuing that after this year, but it's been a huge learning experience and a huge door opener. Yeah. And Instagram really helped me do it. You know, I really didn't have to market that hard. People know who I was. And when I said I was doing this thing, I got a bunch of outreach. And so in that way, again, I'm like, yeah, Instagram has its things. And also I'm really grateful (laughs) for certain elements of it. You know, like I totally benefit from it for sure. So. Okay. One of the things that Cody mentioned, and I agree with him that I think is interesting though, for you hearing you talk and as we're talking about these, like, when does one turn the page next chapter? As I'm thinking about my own life, some of the significant turning of the page, those shift in seasons or chapters, in some of those cases, there was actually a pretty significant external event or something involved where, well, to now to now quote Cody, as he said, he's like, I don't know of that many people who were kind of at the top of their game and have chosen your path to walk away. This is where I'm going with this is like, I've had a couple moments where there were some other things happening where it made it a bit easier to signal a change. But right now, I think it's safe to say there were maybe no people on earth being like, Angel, it's probably time for you to <laughs> shift gears here. Like we're kind of, you know, is like, no, like as Cody said, I mean, you were kind of on top. And I think in that way, I'd like to give you credit because I think it's earned that this wasn't like, oh, well, a lot of my sponsors were like, you're not that good at this thing anymore. It's like, nope, that's not what anybody was saying. Right. So talk a little bit about that. I think that's a more unique position maybe to be in than somebody who was like 
having externals maybe more force their hand for a change. Well, thank you for that. I feel honored. That was high praise. Thanks. Well, there's an element that I have for curiosity of life, you know, and I think what I didn't have going for me was a burning passion for skiing. And so in some ways I feel uh, like I have it, like I had the choice be easier because it wasn't like, I love skiing so much that I need to do whatever I can just so that I can keep doing this forever. Right. Which I think is where a lot of people are at. Like we love skiing. That's why everyone does what they do in the industry, you know? And like, like Cody was saying in the previous episode, like, yes, it's still a job. There are still lots of parts of it that are super unglamorous, you know, and you see like the cream, the cream of the crop and the best moments of all time, but you know, 90, 5% of the job is really not that. But um, what I have going for me is that I really wanted something new. And, um, you know, when you really love the sport and you can't perform it, like Cody was saying, you know, like, what's he going to do after the crack? Like, how do you top that? And how do you reinvent yourself as a skier and in your career, you know? And so um, I didn't have to go there because my love for skiing was has been over before that, you know, so it's just, it's so different. Um, and so in some ways I feel grateful and in other ways it was really hard. And, and honestly, I felt for a big chunk of my career, like an imposter because I was like, so many people would dream to be in my position. And here I am totally disenchanted and looking for a way out. Right. And I just, I really, I felt so like guilty about that sometimes and so bad. Um, and, I mean, it just all comes back to us embracing what we love and the life that we want to lead and like giving ourselves permission to do that, you know, and we don't get that from anybody else and no one else will really understand where we're at or how we're feeling or any of our stories and being able to be like, you know what, I know what I want for me and I know why I want it and external pressures coming in anyway, whether it's like, hey, you know, probably time to quit or, you know, external pressures being like, wait, why are you quitting? Like, all of that stuff hopefully doesn't sway our moral compass of trying to pursue what we love. And I don't necessarily think that there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Totally agree with the, there's not a right or a wrong way to do it, but, but what there is, is like, this is, and this is the work, right? Good old Socrates, right? Know thyself. Like for, this is the task we all have, everyone individually, and there's not going to be an algorithm for it right? You just punch in the numbers and the answer comes out. And so I think that it's cool to hear you articulate that. Like sometimes, sometimes you got to kind of walk into the dark. Big time. Yeah. I spend a lot of time in the dark. (laughs) It's not because I love it. We all go through moments of soul searching, right? And I think the way that I get through it is I try and be as real with myself as possible, which, you know, we all tell ourselves lies, but, um, you know, solo trips out in the desert, like stuff like that helps me to just really tune into like, okay, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want? What's BS that I, you know, am putting up with or BS stories I'm telling myself. But, um, for me coming back to trying to be real with myself and trying to be real with all those around me. Like I also wasn't doing a great job. I well, I've never done a great job at social media. Like it's never been something I've been good at. I've always had a hard time, um, repping brands 
it's like I I've and I've always resisted feeling like I need to post um, and sell product, not because I don't believe in the product, but just because I'm like, okay, how do I make this feel like I'm not spamming people, you know, and, and it's the world we live in. And it's like, without my sponsors, like none of this would have been possible. And so, so, you know, the model is us showcasing their gear, putting our love into it, doing product design and development. Like there's so many parts about it that I love. And then when social media came into the works and it was like, all of a sudden you kind of had to like self market yourself and the brand through your own channels, it kind of changed things. And I was always kind of in resistance to it. I never did a great job at tagging one. And it would have been so easy, right? It, I, like people are so great. They just post a photo of them skiing and they like, you know, this is an epic day in the AK, blah, blah, blah. And they just tag their sponsor. I don't know why I've resisted it so hard or just resisted various parts of social media so hard. But I have not been proud of um, the lack of love and support that I've been showing for my sponsors the past couple years as I've been feeling disenchanted. So while it might not be people being like, oh, you're not at the top of your game, like you should get out. I also was like, I'm not proud of the job that I'm doing for my sponsors that are doing so much for me and for this current model like this current model isn't working great for me and I shamed myself about it for a long time and then I also was like okay well it's okay if this model doesn't work for me this doesn't have to be the one that I operate under that's really interesting Angel how old are you now 31 31 yeah so did you feel like this shift this is really interesting and it's not something that I've thought about in your particular situation. Did you feel like when you were kind of first coming in, let's say post-racing life, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you were coming in and you had, as you've said well, this good support from a number of different sponsors, was this pre, like, I don't know how to even articulate this. Was this kind of pre- current world of social media marketing like you came in you came into one world and then that world shifted a bit on you is is that I don't I didn't want to put words in your mouth but that's what you were just articulating yeah totally so you showed up to one party and then like or whatever the metaphor is you walked into yeah you you showed up to one party and then that party shifted kind of beneath your feet yeah, really Instagram changed because uh, Facebook was there before, but then Instagram really changed things. Um, I've never felt very strong on Instagram. My, my captions are always too long and they don't fit in the boxes. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to write, if I'm going to post something, I want it to be meaningful because otherwise what's the point of being on here? But then, but yeah, so Instagram um, changed a lot. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like the whole world is revolving around Instagram pretty much it's like if you have a business and you don't have in or a company you don't have Instagram like you're you're kind of not irrelevant but you're setting yourself up again you know that's like such a main way of marketing you know and even when you're scrolling through Instagram it's like even all the spiritual people that I love to follow like everyone's trying to sell something on Instagram right whether it's their latest book or maybe a new course and some people do it really you know in a way that doesn't feel spammy some people are super blatant you know there's so many different styles but really it's almost like Instagram is a commerce (laughs) site you know like a subtle commerce site and I think we're all 
kind of just in acceptance of that. And some of it is like, well, there's that's BS. That post is not authentic because they're trying to hide the fact that they're selling you something. And the more palatable stuff is the ones that aren't trying to hide it, I think, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I, Instagram was not there when I first started and it was definitely my least favorite part the whole time of being a pro athlete. And it's so, I always felt like it was such a double-edged sword because it also led me to, like, it's, it's given me so much, you know? Um, and so it sucks to be like, I, I don't like this thing. Well, I totally recognize all of the, all of the good aspects of it and everything that it's given me. But, um, yeah, I've always struggled with it. One other element that Cody was talking about quite a bit, but I haven't heard you necessarily yet say this is, you know, he shared his anecdote about, you know, when he's like, I'm filming and I've been doing this for 15 years and I was supposed to hike up and he's like, yeah, yeah, three turns, I jump off this cliff and he almost killed himself. And he said, right, he's like, that moment is like, I'm out. What I'm wondering about in your case is you had been skiing your entire life and you've talked a bit about you feeling like I hadn't, I didn't, I felt like I hadn't had that many chapters of my life. So to what extent for you was it, you know, or what, what percentage was it like, man, I, I love what I've been doing. It's been great to me. It's given me a lot, but it's sort of more or less been one thing as opposed to the specific risk element of it that, that maybe Cody was talking about. I, I'd be curious to hear more from you, again, what percentage of this uh, was risk versus um, I'm ready for a new chapter. I mean, a lot of it, right? Like, I think also women deal with stress. I mean, physiologically, we're less wired to, we're wired differently for stress, you know, especially like extreme short-term stress, like, you know, extreme sports induced, like it's pretty hard on women's entire hormonal systems, you know, like as far, it basically without going too much into it, my rudimentary understanding is that um, the precursor to both uh, cortisol and progesterone is the same. And so when we're really stressed out, we're producing a lot of cortisol, it actually messes with like our entire cycle. Um, and that in turn, you know, over long periods of time just messes with our whole bodies and with, you know, how we feel and how we operate. Um, and I know like many, not many, but enough extreme sports women that over a long period of time, they're like, oh man, my hormones are all whacked out. And I definitely dealt with that. Um, but I could just feel it too. I could feel that as I was getting older, I just didn't want to put in the work to be intimate with fear. Like that's what it is for me is really being intimate with it. Um, I, I can't just turn it off. I have to be super hyper present with it and it's exhausting. Um, and when you have, when you're really fired up and especially for me when it was new and, um, it was fresh, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is intense and I'm here for it. And then after a while I was like, ah, I would, I just started getting tired of having to be so present all the time and not have the burning passion like Cody was talking about that that's kind of when it starts to get dangerous you know and so there was a moment I, I was already pretty sure that I was done like my last trip in Alaska I was like 
I just was getting decision fatigue like early on in the trip and because you have to make so many decisions up there about all this stuff. And um, pretty early on the trip, I was just like, oh, I don't even want to make any decisions like and Griffin Post is up there. Elisa's up there. Nick McNutt, like super competent people. And so I just kind of it was nice to just let them sort of guide, guide, <laughs> take the trip and, you know, make the decisions and um, and not like I was making all decisions for the team anyways, but I like could kind of step back and just not worry about it so much. And I was actually standing at the top of the last line where I blew my knee out. And I was standing up there with Griffin and Nick McNutt went and we were looking down and, you know, it was, it was a whatever day. It wasn't anything crazy. It was, my line was a little tricky. It wasn't ideal. Um, but and there was one section that I was nervous about, but I got a pretty good look at it. And I was like, you know, feeling all right about it. It was a line that you can stop halfway if, if anything's weird. So, um, Nick McNutt went and I just was, had this entire feeling in my body. And I looked over at Griffin and I was like, I'm fucking tired of being scared all the time. <laughs> and Griffin, he didn't know what to say. You know, he just looks over at me and he goes, Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh and then he went you know and he, as always pretty much down a blind rollover so you can't really see him until 30 seconds later either they come out the bottom or there's radio comms and um and so then it was my turn you know so I go down and I was like two feet off my line to the right over this blind roll but it set me up on just a little bit wrong of a spine. And immediately I could tell my slough was going down the wrong direction. So I stopped like I knew I could in my plan and let the slough go by. Um, and then when I started back up, I had this thing happen, which never has happened before, but there was some crust underneath the snow on one of the aspects of the spine. And as, as I was kind of doing a little hop over to some other spines, my downhill ski punched in the snow and got totally jammed in this crust layer and stopped. And I fell like, or I somehow miraculously managed to like turn my way back around and got, get to my other edge set. So I like saved it. And then as I was sliding down, there was this little rock under the surface and it, it hooked me up and I recovered from that. And then there was another little rock under the surface and it just stopped me. And I started falling and had a super violent tomahawk that was, I've had a, one other before. And for some reason, this one felt worse. And Knew I blew my knee right away. Um, and, oh, to backtrack, that morning, it was on new moon. And I always just kind of take some time for reflections on the moon cycles because I like doing that. And uh, and so new moons, they say, are good for setting intentions. So I wrote, like, these two pages in my journal. I still have it with the things that I wanted to see in my life. And, of course, none of them had skiing in them. And as I was writing in this treehouse um, up in, in Palmer, Alaska, the, these two wild chickadees just came and landed on me. I've never had a wild bird come and land on me, just landed on me and it was hanging out as I was doing this little ceremony. And it was just a really cool moment. You know, when you have those intimate encounters with nature where you're like, what are you doing? That's never happened before. And as soon as I blew my knee and I was sitting in the outrun, for some reason I thought back to that chickadee and I thought back to my journal pages and that skiing was not on any of those pages. And I was like, well, I don't know where this is going, but I can tell my life is going in a forward direction that I want. I didn't know at that time that I was going to walk away from skiing totally, which I didn't, you know, I didn't know how I was going to make this, this transition, but it was a clear sign of like, okay, 
things are starting to change and I'm ready to listen to them. And I really feel like that injury offered an opening for me um, to start just exploring other stuff. I did like all my PT was dancing. I was stronger than ever. All my physical therapists were like, what have you been doing? You've been crushing your rehab. I was like, no, I've just been twerking. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) anyways, yeah, met Pete that summer. It just felt like an opening. Yeah. So that was a long winded answer of basically saying it's a great answer. uh, Yeah. I I really agree with Cody on if your heart's not in it, um, it's a super risky sport to do. And like you were saying before, um, fear definitely weighed a big part in that and not being into it and having to deal with that much risk and fear. I was just like, yeah, no. It's funny. We've had this conversation come up multiple times with different people. Probably, I guess they've mostly been blister podcast conversations come to think of it, but maybe for a while, maybe this is still the case that sometimes it's like when we see skiing portrayed or mountain biking portrayed or whatever, perhaps for obvious reasons, it always shifts to like the most extreme thing out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet some of the conversations that we've been having around here have been about like just some various people talking about like the joys of, I think we titled it one time, like getting out, but going easy. Ah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like in a day where maybe the adrenaline level or feel level stays real close to zero, actually, you know? And it's just been interesting to reflect on. And as, as I've kind of had my own injuries in life and some pretty bad ones or whatever, and, you know, but still love skiing, love mountain biking and the like, but like recalibrating, I guess, our own relationship to these things. It's probably, I imagine something each of us is doing all the time. Actually, I don't know if I have a theory on that. Do you think so? Like, do you think if you said most skiers out there or most mountain bikers out there are pretty reflective in thinking about like, where is the fear-o-meter right now? I mean, I think, yeah, because, you know, skiing and mountain biking, you know, sort of these, I guess you'd call them like action sports per se, or any sports that are involving risk. There's always a part of us that is calculating that, you know, and especially when you start becoming more aware of it, right, as you get older, as your body starts giving you different feedback, or if you've had an injury, right? And so I think at any time we go out, you know, we're always like, how's my body feeling? How am I able to respond to my stimuli? Like, is this fun? Am I having fun? You know, because ultimately, it feels really good to a to be in the environment and it also feels good to do your sport well right and so if you're like making errors because you're pushing yourself too hard or or whatever if you're all of a sudden like off your game and you're trying to push it and it's obviously dangerous and you're just not nailing it like that doesn't feel good and so I think we are always in that balance of like okay, I don't feel like pushing myself today and I just want to take it easy. And then there's other days where you're like, wow, I'm really on it. Like I'm going to rip this flow trail as fast as I possibly can or we whatever. Um, I don't know. That's my unprofessional opinion. <laughs> I think I think that's probably right. And certainly we maybe talk about it a lot and I think it's a good thing we are like in terms of backcountry skiing, like I think there has been more conversation around the idea of like, how are you feeling right now? 
you know, listening and, and articulating, communicating to whoever you're out with. Like, I don't know that I trust the snowpack right now, or it's getting a bit late in the day or whatever. And so I guess I'd say, I think that conversation, like being attuned, attentive and communicating stuff in the moment, I feel like that's been more of a part of the backcountry mm-hmm. touring conversation. Like situational awareness. Yeah. Situational awareness. And, um, but when it comes to say mountain biking or regular inbound skiing, I I don't know, but strikes me probably, (laughs) probably a good thing for us to all be attuned to. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I think situational awareness, yeah, is, um, especially prevalent when we're in complicated environments. Um, it also in life, you know, or there's like situational social awareness where people who are, you know, navigating complex social situations. And I think as far as maybe stuff that um, is more simple, not simple, but you know, if it's like resort riding or mountain biking, where there's less complex risk involved, and it's more like the personal risk that you're doing with your body, then it comes down to, you know, personal awareness, right? And some people are have really great personal awareness and really great body awareness. And other people are like, woo, it's time to check out. I don't have to think about my job. I don't have to think about anything. And maybe personal awareness doesn't play as much of a role with them. But I do think to a lot of, I think that's why we like sports is because it forces us to become personally aware and present more than many other things do. And it's meditative and it's a good break for the mind. And so I think that's why a lot of us love it. And so however much we consciously think about that, I do think that that's present for pretty much anyone who's out there doing it. Agreed. Okay. So boat life. Boat life. How long have you been doing this now? (laughs) Well, bought the boat with my partner Pete last spring and then we worked on it or whatever, spring 2020 and then worked on it all last summer, lived on it all last summer. And then we pulled it out for the winter. And then I stayed in Utah for the winter, drove back to Maine in this April Worked on it again for another couple of months and then sailed across the Atlantic at the end of June. Um, so I've been living on the boat kind of since the end of June. Does it feel like a long time? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime almost. But it also feels like yesterday that we were like, oh, are we really about to sail across the Atlantic? Gosh. Yeah. Tell me your favorite part of boat life so far and tell me the hardest part of boat life so far. Hmm. Well, I guess they're probably one and the same. Isn't it funny how so many things in life are one and the same? Your favorite thing and your least favorite thing. Why do they always overlap? God. So, <laughs> so probably my favorite thing is the fact that at any moment, like I have, we have everything we need. We have all the food, ability to make water. At any moment, we can pull our anchor up and go anywhere in the world that the ocean touches. Pretty much on the power of the wind, like at the drop of a hat, we can go anywhere. It's so cool. And it's such a cool way to explore the world. And so the, the hard part about that, the flip part is the transient feel that it has and, uh, the ability to, it's easy to not feel grounded. It's easy to get out of a routine. It's hard to keep a routine, especially when you're 
underway and you're sailing and you're going in at weird hours, like your morning routines get all messed up. And so it's like so cool to be able to see it this way. And it's also really challenging as a, you know, biological human being to stick to the things that make you feel focused and clear and grounded and empowered and, you know, on it all the time. Also, we can't charge our computer batteries right now, which <laughs> is kind of a pain in the butt. But we're doing a battery install in one week, huh. and hope, and then we'll have an inverter, and then we'll be power rich. <laughs> power rich. <laughs> so, how long have you now been in or around the Canary Islands? Just yeah, we've been here a week and a half, maybe two weeks. We sailed here from this really cool island, really awesome island called Madeira, which is apparently a mountain biking destination. I had no idea. Yeah, we ended up going enduro biking for a day and it was epic. Um, yeah, so we, we sailed transatlantic to the this island chain. It's sort of like the Hawaii of Europe. They're called the Azores. I'd never heard of them, but they're like a thousand miles off the coast of Europe kind of like Hawaii's way out in the Pacific. The Azores are kind of way out in the Atlantic. And then it's called the Great Atlantic Circuit, I think they call it. I could be getting it wrong. But basically with the prevailing trade winds, it's easy to sail from the U.S. to the Azores and then kind of down these island chains, Madeira to the Canaries where we are now. You can even go a little further south to the Cape Verde Islands. And then in a month, we'll be sailing 3,000, well, no, it's not 3,000 miles. I don't know, 2,500 or something back across the Atlantic to the Caribbean. Um, and that's like a common route that people do. And then we'll spend a couple months in the Caribbean. And then we're going through the Panama Canal and out to the South Pacific, which is where we've been really, really wanting to spend some time because it's like this huge part of the globe with all these islands that are like a couple feet above sea level, you know, that might not even be around for that much longer and communities that'll probably be being displaced and so we're really motivated to go storytell around just the peoples there and um yeah just stories from all of these places that are unique snapshots at this moment so in terms of now i i would feel worse about this except that you've been you've been scheming and thinking about this for a while so sometimes the like when somebody just announces the like i'm retired and then you immediately follow with what's next but I've thought a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us a bit about, you've talked about traveling and storytelling. I mean, but the floor is yours in terms of the what's next question. Well, I mean, I still don't really know. And, and that's really uncomfortable for me. Like it's still the unknown. And um, I mean, I have no idea how I'm going to make money. And at this point I am like, I have enough in savings to live on a boat for a couple of years while I'm young and healthy with the man of my dreams. So I think I'd be a fool to not do that. And to also try and fill it with work when I don't need to right now, you know, it's like, we don't get these opportunities very often right now. And so I just, I'm going to sit in the not knowing and be really present and enjoy it and know that the way that this is going to profoundly change me and shape me is going to, alter where I want to go with my life after this. And so I feel like the best thing I can do is just really be present and soak it all in and be super grateful. And I'm kind of treating that as my job, which is like the coolest job ever right now. So, but as far as what's next, part of the reason why Pete and I were together in the first place is because the, the day that we met 
um, we ended up talking super late into the night and realizing we had really similar dreams. And I'd always wanted to go stay for long periods of time in different with different indigenous cultures around the world. Um, ever since I was eight, I've wanted to do it. Like I wanted, I've wanted to go to the Amazon and the Andes. And I thought that I was going to be story. And I also was really motivated around environmental storytelling and climate change. And, you know, these places that are seeing change firsthand, like I've seen some of it in Alaska. Um, and it's, morphed as we've been on the boat and we're starting to see things differently now as we knew it would part of it is like being open to how our perspectives and the stories that we encounter are going to shape us and change and trying to allow for the fluidity of that but we both shared a dream of staying for long periods of time in remote places and um yeah just like not trying to not be a westerner that you know, comes in is like either let me tell you how to live or let me show your ways to the world because it'll save the world. Like finding some, finding our own personal way to just exist and travel and see if we can give back to the places that we go. And if there's anything that, yeah, they, that we can help with wherever we are. Um, and just be storytelling about human resiliency and adaptability and what that looks like, right? Because I think that's where um, the needle mover is. And both Pete and I, right from the get-go, were really fascinated in just the idea that if it was easy to solve the world's big problems, we would have already done it by, right now. Like, And part of the problem is that probably no one's going to have the one right answer. And what the skill that we need is being able to entertain other perspectives as valid or be like, oh, that's interesting, right? Like looking at someone else's idea that might seem totally crazy. And instead of just being like, well, you're wrong or you didn't think about it this way to just take a moment, right, of open mindedness. And that we just want to do that in the places that we go. And we think that that's just because we think that that's a skill that we all need to practice and we want to practice and going to these places that look at the world totally different than we do and just seeing what's out there. Um, and yeah, just storytelling along the way. I like it. I like it a lot. This has been great to catch up and I'm very excited for you and Pete in this chapter, this next chapter. And I really appreciate getting the opportunity to just hear more about this process and you've been incredibly articulate about it from the brass tacks kind of logistics of it to the emotional aspects of trying to sort through this. And um, I know you said you have felt like you haven't had that many chapters, but I don't know. I found myself just thinking <laughs> it's like, this has been a pretty remarkable life so far. I think, I think you're, I think you're on that. You're sitting at the, what do we call the desk? The, yeah. The navigation table. Yeah. I think you're well situated. I think you're sitting in the right <laughs> spot right now. And um, yeah, I think you're somebody on the right course for sure. It's a real privilege to be able to talk to you about this and, and, and hear you articulate so well the trajectory. And, and again, I think there's probably going to be a lot of people listening to this who you're going to have kind of primed the pump for them. That kind of catalyst is just a super valuable thing, I think, as we all try to navigate a life. The unknown. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for 
yeah, thanks for just reaching out. And it's, it's, I've really enjoyed, yeah, every aspect of this conversation. It's something that you just mentioned. It made me think of a quote. I want to say it was Joseph Campbell, but I could totally be getting it wrong. But it, it's something like, um, well, it, what made me think of it is I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I have absolutely no clue and it might look like that to the outside, but I'm taking it one step at a time and it's absolutely <laughs> terrifying and super uncomfortable. Um, and I think that when you're living your life truly, like that's how it feels. And, um, yeah, like my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is Brene Brown. And she said, nothing meaningful I've ever done in my life has been comfortable. So getting comfortable with discomfort, I think is great. But the quote that I was thinking about that might be Joseph Campbell, but I could be getting it wrong is if you see a map and you can see, if if you see a path and you can see the steps laid out in front of you, it's not your path because your path is taken one step at a time. And it's, yeah, it's really how it is. So if anyone out there is listening and you feel like you don't know what you're doing, don't worry, (laughs) you're not doing anything wrong. (laughs) And yes, it's terrifying and no one's talking about it. It's okay. <laughs> if you're in that situation, you you have it on good authority from Angel Collinson that you're probably doing something right and you're gonna be you're gonna be all right. Yeah. So well, Angel, thank you and all the best to you. We will stay tuned and look forward to seeing and hearing about more of your travels and more of your storytelling. Mm. Well, thanks for this wonderful and candid interview. Just really appreciate you having me on. Well, thanks. Talk to you soon. Good luck. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Angel for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again later this week over on our Off the Couch podcast, our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, and on our Gear 30 podcast. So subscribe to those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, and we will catch you over there.